Good morning. Last time we started with a little meditation, and so I thought maybe we could do that this morning. So if you just close your eyes for a moment, think briefly back over this past week. And anything that comes to your mind that has any trace of irritation, sorrow, loss, just erase it from the blackboard of your mind. If you feel a burden of any kind, a weight, a weight from some relationship, a weight from something that you think is imminent, it's going to happen. Just let that drop off of you now. Feel a little lighter as you let this past week drop from your shoulders completely. And so now your mind is free and your body's free and you're left only with this one moment. So fill this one moment with a single shining purpose. To be happy in the presence of God. To enjoy yourself deeply and to see all life is innocent. You have come together this morning with people of like mind. Gentle, dear people. And so you are completely safe and entirely welcomed in this moment. And for just a second or two, rest deeply in the peace of God. This morning's reading is from a text of A Course in Miracles, page 510. Forgiveness turns the world of sin into a world of glory, wonderful to see. Each flower shines in light, and every bird sings of the joy of heaven. There is no sadness, and there is no parting here, for everything is totally forgiven. And what has been forgiven must join, for nothing stands between to keep them separate and apart. The sinless must perceive that they are one, for nothing stands between to push the other off. And in the space that sin left vacant do they join as one, in gladness recognizing what is part of them has not been kept apart and separate. The holy place on which you stand is but the space that sin has left. And here you see the face of Christ arising in its place. 
Who could behold the face of Christ and not recall his Father as he really is? Who could fear love and stand upon the ground where sin has left a place for heaven's altar to rise and tower far above the world and reach beyond the universe to touch the heart of all creation? What is heaven but a song of gratitude and love and praise by everything created to the source of its creation? The holiest of altars is set where once sin was believed to be. And here does every light of heaven come to be rekindled and increased in joy. For here is what was lost restored to them and all their radiance made whole again. Where sin once was perceived will rise a world that will become an altar to the truth, and you will join the lights of heaven there and sing their song of gratitude and praise. And as they come to you to be complete, so will you go with them. For no one hears the song of heaven and remains without a voice that adds its power to the song and makes it sweeter still. And each one joins the singing at the altar that was raised within the tiny spot that sin proclaimed to be its own. And what was tiny then has soared into a magnitude of song in which the universe has joined with but a single voice. The Sunday school teachers were asking me this morning what I would be speaking on because they like to, uh, they have little stories they tell the children and they wanted to tie with the theme. And I said, I would be talking to a reaction to a spiritual path. And she was, she just didn't know how she could communicate that to the, to the kids. Uh, how do you know? Oh, the reason that I'm speaking on that is, uh, several Sundays ago, we talked about starting a spiritual program. I gave you one woman's spiritual program that she had just formulated. I told you a little bit about my own. Made you some, some suggestions as to how you might begin in a formal way, actually writing it out, practicing this every day. So it's about time for you to have reacted against it. <laughs> uh, how do you know if this has happened? Well, uh, perhaps a craving for Twinkies, uh, that might do it. Uh, Twinkies, uh, with a name like Twinkies, you know it has to be white sugar, isn't that right? Oh, incidentally, about the white sugar on the donuts, I want you to know that I perform a little ceremony. Now, you don't see this, so you... <laughs> <laughs> so you don't get here in time to see this, but the deacons can all tell you this is true. I perform a little ceremony in which I turn the white sugar into white light. So you need to have no fear about this. It's all how you say, uh, there are some people over and uh, they asked me what I was drinking. And I said, well... Uh, this is a special drink. Uh, it has the essence of beets. It has a special extract of a nut that is grown only in the tropics. 
and it has purified water, and it has one of the essential ingredients of breath. Oh, gosh, where did you find... What is that drink? It's a Coke. <laughs> so it's just how you, how you uh, say it, you see. Now. So how do you know if you're reacting against your own efforts? Because this is, is of course, what happens to us during this stage of growth that we are all in right now. We make efforts, sometimes enormous efforts, and then if we are not careful, the ego reacts, and we find ourselves not only back where we started, but maybe several steps beyond that. And those of you who started a spiritual program back several weeks ago, and I know several of you, many of you have, because I've talked to you in counseling sessions after church. As you know, I, I meet with anybody who would like to meet after church. And several of you have mentioned uh, your program. It does not include swimming, incidentally. I Someone thought that <laughs> because I swam every morning that they were supposed to swim every morning. No, no, that, that was... I was just telling you some of the things that I did. You know that you've reacted... If you are angry, if there's an anger now, almost an, an atmosphere or anger about your life, if you find that you're unwilling now to pause as you go through the day, are you willing to stop and consult your heart deeply? Are you willing to stop and talk to God for a moment? Then, of course, you have reacted against your own efforts. Are you unwilling now to seek help of someone who you know would speak the truth to you? Is there someone you could go to, but you find that you are putting up roadblocks? You're, you're telling yourself why this is not a possibility, that you can turn to this person who would help you. Then, of course, your ego is in ascendancy at the moment. If you have turned against your teaching aids, the aids that have served you long and well. Perhaps there are certain prayers. Perhaps they are A Course in Miracles. Perhaps it's the Bible. Perhaps it's any number of things that you have used, and, and now you are finding yourself arguing against the very things that have helped you. You're finding reasons why these are no... You can't do these. You can't use these any longer if you find yourself discouraged, then, of course, your ego has reacted to a spiritual path. And what should you do if your ego has reacted to your efforts? Now, this can be a large reaction that comes from a large effort, such as an entire spiritual program that you formulate for yourself. Or it can be a small reaction to a day that you tried particularly hard, and then the next day is just awful. And you don't quite know why it's happened. It is the setting of expectations the unconscious setting of expectations 
that allows the ego to operate in this manner. And eventually you will become aware of this, how you set yourself up for this fall after having gained some ground. Although you may say the words, unconsciously you are thinking that the world should be different, that your life should run more smoothly, that such and such a kind of thing shouldn't happen in the morning. And this is going on while you're making your efforts, and so you've left the door open for your ego to speak to you. Now, of course, it doesn't feel like your ego, and the ego, of course, is our, of our own making. It's not some external force. It's nothing we need to be afraid of. We speak of it here as something separate, simply to be able to focus attention on one of the mistakes that we are making, or better still, the composite of mistakes we are making. If we take all the mistakes we are making and we lump them together, we could call this the ego. And it feels like our own emotions. We think this is our own opinion. We think that our complaints against people and places have a real cause. And we think that the anger or the depression or the listlessness are our own feelings. And this is how we are carried backward. What has actually happened is that you have just fallen a little more deeply into sleep. You are waking up a little bit and you have fallen a little more deeply into sleep. So those of you who have sat beside a child as it was sleeping, perhaps a child that was a, a little feverish, you've seen this phenomenon of the child beginning to wake up and then going more deeply into sleep. That is all a reaction is. It is, is it should the child be condemned for falling more deeply into sleep? Of course not. And so you do not condemn yourself. What do you do if you see the signs that you are reacting against your own efforts? What you do is you begin again. So... I want you to say that with me. I'm going to ask you a question, and then you say, begin again. This will be a lot of fun. This is part of the production, you see. What should you do if you think, if you just think you have made a mistake? Begin again. What should you do if you have been snapping at people for the last week, begin again. What should you do if you're so depressed that you got in the tub to soak at uh, 7 o'clock? It's now 9 o'clock, one month later. <laughs> begin again. What should you do if your husband just accused you of being Warren G. Harding in your past life, <laughs> begin again. Now, here's the hard one. You've got to say this with sincerity now. What should you do if you just had eight Snickers and a moon pie? <laughs> begin again. Now, no, no, I want those sincerely now. Begin again. 
Now, that isn't beginning again on Snickers, you understand. <laughs> so, nothing will speed you along your way more quickly and more easily than if you stop trying to understand your mistakes. It is the knee, it is the ego that thinks it must understand. It has a need to understand. Do not understand your mistake. Begin again. You have no need to explain. That's the other that's the other side of the coin. The need to understand, the need to explain. Never explain, never apologize. Just hit him right in the mouth. <laughs> no, kidding now. Uh, the need to explain is the same thing as the need to understand. And all it is, it's, it's the casting a glance backward. It's fixing the gaze on something that is over and done with. It is attempting to do the impossible because you are not in a position... None of us are in a position to understand what effect the thing that we just did had. Haven't you already seen that what some of your greatest mistakes took you the furthest? And haven't you already seen that what you thought were some of your brightest successes were just absolute wastes? And so we're not in a position to judge. And we're either walking or we are stopping. And to begin again is to continue walking. To try to figure out what you did or why you did it or how long you've been doing it or why can't you cast this thing away is to stop dead in your tracks, turn around and look from whence you came. It is to long, in fact, for whence you came. It is, in fact, to love the very problem that your ego is bemoaning. Why else would you cast your gaze upon it and look it over in such loving and complete detail? This past week, I was wrestling with one of two chronic problems. Uh, one of them involves... Uh, some other people, and I can't uh, mention it. But uh, the other one you know well, which is uh, eating. Uh, I, I, this has been a problem in my life since I, since I can remember. I cannot remember a time in my life in which I wasn't having this battle. Now, the interesting thing is that after having lost the weight that I did, there was no appearance of the problem any longer. But I wasn't happy eating. I was still scared. Whatever we are afraid of, we can't enjoy. If you're afraid of another person, you cannot appreciate them. If you're afraid of food, you cannot appreciate it. Uh, Gail and I took uh, a man from another country out uh, to lunch yesterday. And uh, he, he is a man who... who genuinely loves food. Very, very uh, 
well-educated, well-traveled man, but he had never been in this country before. And he was telling some of his experiences with food that he had uh, been... Well, the way this happened was that we asked him if he would like an artichoke. And uh, he said, no, no, I don't like artichokes. And, oh, really? And uh, he said, yes, uh, so-and-so recommended an artichoke. And, uh, and so we, we, we asked him what he had done. He had taken it home, he had boiled it, and he'd eaten all of the artichoke. <laughs> he'd eaten the stem, the prickly part, and everything. And uh, we explained, you know, let us, well, try this again. Okay, so he, he tried again. He thought it was just wonderful. Then he told us about having gone to the palace restaurant. And uh, he said they serve the uh, the seafood Newburg in a seashell. And he said, they told me I was not supposed to be cutting the seashell. And so it, as the, we also ordered uh, that for him, too. And as the meal progressed, we noticed that he was not eating the little pastry that the Newberg came in because he what he had learned was that you weren't supposed to eat what it comes in. So this is all very confusing. I'm sure you've taken people over to uh, Tomasita's and uh, the waitress says, uh, want any soap? Want a soap? Uh, no. Well, yeah, I'll have soap. And they, they look at you. Uh, soap and honey? And people turn to you and say, um, so, do you all eat that? Soap and honey? Yeah. Um, but I was afraid of it. And uh, it wasn't fun to eat anymore. <laughs> uh, so as I was wrestling with that this past week, and as I prayed about it, I saw clearly that I loved this problem. I had loved this problem all of my life. The ego loves anything that singles it out. It does not care whether it's a great tragedy, a misery, a great success. Anything that singles us out, the ego dearly loves and tries to hold on to. I'd never seen that with the clarity that I saw it this past week. Food was a problem to me still. Not because I was gaining any weight but because I loved having the problem. And I saw that was true of this other chronic problem that I'd had for years and years and years and years and years. And I said, I no longer love these problems. I am through with these problems. And that is the first time I've ever said that. And it's the first time I acknowledge to myself it is that simple. If I am choosing this problem, and if it's because I love it, then I choose not to have the problem any longer. And although I notice that my ego still presents this to me <coughs> with a thought or something like that, I simply say, no, I don't have that problem any longer. I do not love to be my particular ego. So, there is no need to understand, there is no need to analyze, but there is a need to be simple and direct. And if there has been a reaction in your life, you can be just that simple. You do not have to remember what your problems have been. 
How do you know that this is a chronic problem, that you have trouble with such and such? How do you know that you've even reacted to your own spiritual efforts? It is only if you take your mind out of the present that you would know such a thing. And so another time this last week, I found that I was having a particularly bad day. It was just an awful, 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 awful day. <laughs> and it wasn't, nothing had happened, but I just, I was anxious. I had, uh, I didn't have any, uh, I, I, my peace would come and go. I couldn't, I couldn't stay in the presence of God. I kept slipping away. Um, I knew, I knew what my body and my ego thought was going on, and, and yet I also knew how absolutely silly all this was. And I was casting about for something to do because the, the day was beginning to close. And I knew I'd made no real progress this day. And a little gain is better than none. You see, our ego is like a, a two-year-old child that builds blocks. One of the blocks falls off and the child knocks them all over. Have you seen that happen? And that's what our ego does. If you can't have great gain, have none, says the ego. A little gain is better than none. And so I was still trying to see if I could not bring some consistency, some rest to this day. And so once again, as I had done all day long, I paused, I closed my eyes. And the thought occurred to me, why not say to yourself, this is the end of one of the most peaceful days you've ever had in your life. And I said that, and it made all the difference. It is all right to be simple-minded. <laughs> it is okay to be direct. Another thing that you may notice when you sense one of these reactions to your efforts is that the day sours quickly. So a good rule is do not make mistakes real, especially in the morning. Because your ego is trying to set a tone, a sense of defeat, which you must carry throughout the day. Look closely at what it is that is more important than your peace. See what you throw your peace away for, and be determined that this not happen. It doesn't matter what happens in the morning. Of course it's not going to go right. Of course there are going to be sudden, unexpected things that are going to happen. Yes, you may have had a flare-up of temper or something else. You may have done something that you thought you were beyond. Simply begin again. Do not start the day by making something real. Do not carry it with you, if at all possible. But if you find that you do, I can tell you from experience, if you will keep persisting, there is nothing that can withstand a gentle effort. A gentle, persistent effort will clear away the clouds and bring the light of God on everything. And even though it's still going wrong, there will now be the light of God and a gentle laughter about it all.
The last thing that I might suggest, if you are now experiencing a reaction to this spiritual program that we, we talked about, is to turn loose of every single thing in your life. What you're trying to do is now is to close the doors through which your ego is entering. Now, this is an extremely difficult concept to speak of because it's so easily misunderstood. The, easy, the ego thinks of it as a, as a form of attack or coldness or indifference. And, of course, it's not. Turn loose of your spouse. Let go of your job. Turn away from your car. That does not mean to treat them coldly or unkindly. That means have no interest in the outcome. Do not tell yourself whether this person will be with you or not be with you. Do not tell yourself whether or not you're going to get the promotion or not get it. Do not tell yourself if you will remain in this house or you won't remain in this house. See that the only thing that matters whatsoever is your walk home. It is the love of God that fills your heart and the peace that fills your mind. It is the blessing that you can bestow on anyone at any time. That is the only thing that matters. And so I'm going to ask you to close your eyes right now. And instead of just looking over this past week, see what still binds you to this earth. What is it that keeps you from making progress that pulls you down again and again? It is these attachments. Instead of attachments, you want love and blessing and forgiveness. And so ask yourself now, with your eyes closed, what am I attached to? What is more important to me than the peace of God? And at least mentally, here in this church, on this day, I will at least say the words, I release you, I let you go. Say that to your house, to your new sod, to your car, to your in-laws, to your location, to your hair, whatever comes to your mind now. Look it all over. I will be silent for just a moment. One by one, throw off these chains. You cannot confer a blessing on anything until you have told yourself, I do not care what becomes of this. I will bless it anyway. And so do it now. can open your eyes now. You see, there is nothing that keeps you here. You are not bound by this world. You are not bound by your ego. You are not bound by your body. You are not bound by your past mistakes. You are not bound by anything. It is much easier to let this world go and know the presence of God and be one with God and be pure spirit and to lay all this aside so you can do nothing but help and love and bless 
than you could possibly realize. All it requires is your wish for it to happen. You are working only with your sincerity. And so work with it. Mold it like a piece of gold that you're beating into a ring or a bracelet or a pendant for the one you love. Work on it and work on it and purify it. Your sincerity, your desire, all you're doing is ridding yourself of conflict about this. Do you wish to be a good, decent, kind person? Would you like to experience the happiness that comes of not judging anyone ever again? It can be yours. The only reason it hasn't happened yet or that it comes and goes is that you're not yet sincere. You are still conflicted about this. And so work on that. Let the conflict go. There is nothing in this earth that is worth the peace of God because it cuts you off from yourself and from your sisters and your brothers. So what do you do if you see that your friend has had a reaction? They've had an ego attack. What do you do? Let's talk about that for a moment. Perhaps you'd like to think of someone. Can you think of anyone who isn't? (laughs) Same thing. Don't run after them. Don't run after them. If you run after them, this credits their ego. Have you noticed the relief you feel when someone does not take your ego attack seriously? And they, they're just steady and they're kind and they somehow just brush it off a little and they remain there. That's what you want to do. That is being a true friend. Do not take people's egos attacks seriously. Don't run after them. Don't ask them what's the matter, what's the matter, what's the matter. What did I do? What did I do? What did I do? This does not help them, do you see? Do not join people in their struggle. Now, we must face something that's very unpleasant about our egos. And that is our ego attempts to bring everyone around us into our problem. It actively seeks to bring everyone around us into whatever problem we're having. So if your problem is flying off the handle with anger, you will attempt to get other people angry. If your problem is a financial one, you will, without realizing, try to sow financial chaos everywhere you go. If you are depressed, you will seek to have other people be depressed with you. Now, you won't say depression. You will cite the causes, and you will try to make the causes real in the minds of your friends so that they can legitimize this. There is no cause for anger. For depression, or for any of that nonsense. So do not be drawn into the struggle that your friend is going through. Because if you do, you are now part of the problem and not part of the answer. 
Step back physically, but step forward mentally. This is the rule if someone's having an ego attack. Now, by step back physically, I don't mean that you leave them or that you... But it means that you, you are very careful now about any overt action. In fact, you take no action unless you are absolutely sure that you can take it with perfect peace. So you do not... The ego immediately wants to rush in and start tampering, fixing up. Notice this. Someone's having a problem and everybody wants to rush in with all kinds of changes and solutions. Notice, please, that this does not help. So you step back physically. Not away. It's not desertion. You step back physically, but you step up your mental blessing of this person. It has a deep and profound effect to surround someone with light. If you take the time to surround an individual with light every time they come to your thought and be peaceful when you're in their presence and to make their name and their image sing in your mind even if they're not there and surround the phone in light before you pick it up to call them. This has a deep and profound effect because you are light and the light in you calls to the light in them. And if you wish to add some words of blessing, it is all right to do that. You may address their mind. Their mind is not walking around in some little cage out there on two legs. It's not over there on Paseo de Peralta just taking a left. Their mind is in your hands. Of course address it. But do not tell them what to do. Do not suggest changes. Do not exert pressure. Does God exert pressure on you? Of course not. God waits for you to change your mind. God stands there and blesses you. And as soon as you're ready, pours out everything you can possibly handle. Nothing is jerking you around, and it does not help to do that. And so don't, of course, in any way attempt to manipulate someone by addressing them. But say words of comfort. May I ask you to do that with me now? Take someone who's having a hard time in your life. If they're attacking people, if they're being unfair, if they've withdrawn from everything, they're having a hard time. If they're cheating... They're having a hard time. If they're sick, they're having a hard time. Take this moment right now to pour your light, which is the light of God, which is the light of the world, all over them. And after you've done that for a few seconds, say your words of blessing from your mind to them. So and so be at peace. The comfort and the stillness of God cover you and fill you and bless you. Say whatever words come to you, words of love and caring. Do that now. Even if this person has died and has seemed to have left you, if you sense they're having a hard time, do that now.
Okay, indeed that does not hurt, does it? It doesn't hurt to do that. We feel resistance to doing that. Notice that your ego actually feels a resistance to stopping during the day and blessing someone. Did you see it didn't hurt to do that? It relaxed you, didn't it? It made you a little happier. You felt more uh, connected. You were a little sure of your purpose. You took a step toward heaven. The heaven that the Course in Miracles speaks of. That blankets everything around you. That's deep within your heart. You took a step home in doing that. You cannot do that too much. Don't look to see if it had its effect. Just do it and do it and do it. Because you are a continuous blessing. You cannot bless another person too much. It will not exhaust you. It will not use up your time to do this. You are a blessing. That is blessing and blessing and blessing. It is only when you stop being a blessing and stop giving that you think you're something else. And so let's do that in gentleness and peace. Now, I start off by saying that That possibly the first rule of someone's having a hard time is not to run after them, not to get caught up in their struggle. And in order to see that more clearly, it is necessary that we understand that all of our ego positions, all of our ego stands and reasoning is just utter foolishness. But it is also necessary for us to understand that we, just like this person who's having a hard time, have our ego positions. There are no neutral thoughts, says A Course in Miracles, and this means, among other things, that there is nothing on which your ego does not have a position. Now, the important point is that it cannot matter to you what your ego position is. For example, it is impossible not to have an ego position on race. Why? Because we see people's races as differences, and the ego always assigns a value to a difference. If you see something as different, your ego will assign a value to the difference. But don't you see, you pay no attention to your ego's racial prejudices. It has them. You could look and see what your childhood taught you, but you pay no attention to it. This is true of any ego position. You don't have to have a position on anything. You don't have to tamper the world. Now, I wanted to... Uh, <laughs> I wanted to give you some examples uh, from this church. Now, I'm going to read some uh, ego positions. Now, this doesn't mean that these positions are good or bad. That's the whole point. An ego position is neither good or bad. As a matter of fact, you can have an ego position, and it may actually, if you, if you were to look on it as something that you might try to bring about an easier time for yourself or more comfort or more peace, then you would transform it from an ego position into a step toward peace. And so it's not, so all I'm going to read you 
various opinions that have been given to me about what we should do here at this church. Um, and although you may actually, your ego may actually share some of these, and it may oppose some of them. I'm not saying that these are good or bad suggestions. That's the whole point. They're neither good or bad. It may be something we'd want to try. If there was a real problem and something needed to be tried, we might want to try it. But it wouldn't make it good or bad or right for us to try it. But it is unlikely that you do not have or cannot sense one of these positions within yourself. So as I read these, notice that suddenly you feel identified. But let me tell you that every one of these suggestions, except the very last one that I will read, was given to me by many more than one person. And so I'm not singling anybody out. If you think you're the one who told me this, I'm telling you that many people have made each of these suggestions. What I want you to notice is that you will feel singled out with some of these suggestions and not with others. And what I want to ask you to do is to forget that you have an ego. Forget what your ego position is on any of this. See that none of this matters, just like none of it in any other aspect of your life matters. Now, I want you to do this now. Forget that you have an ego position on any of this, and just listen to the humor of this. I've put these all together. I've lumped them all together. So you can see the insanity of the ego. Food. We should not have coffee. We should not have tea. We should not have white sugar. Even though I told you what I did with the white sugar, we should not have popcorn. Children should only eat a half a donut and, the, and only be given donut halves. They shouldn't be given donut holes. Children should have... Uh-oh. <laughs> Children should have no donuts... Deacons should not have to clean up donuts. We should eliminate food altogether. Now, this is true. Every one of those suggestions came. Now, Sunday school. We should not pay the SS teachers Sunday school. We should not pay the Sunday school teachers. We should not have Sunday school teachers. We should have babysitters. We should do away with the Sunday school altogether. Children. Children should not be allowed in the sanctuary. Babies should not be allowed in the sanctuary. Only children of a certain age should be allowed in Sunday school. We should not have any children at all in this church. <laughs> deacons. Deacons should not be called deacons. Many, many things have been uh, flunkies, drudges, uh, things like that. Many, many things have been suggested as, as alternate names. That deacons should wear a name tag. Deacons should not wear a name tag. Deacons should not pray together before the service. We should eliminate deacons. Congregation. The congregation should have to stand for hymns. The congregation should never have to stand for a hymn. The congregation should not have to do responsive readings. You shouldn't have to say things like begin again. 
the congregation should not participate in a question and answer session. Now, do you remember? Do you remember the uh, thing we used to do as a kid? Uh, here's the church, and here's the steeple. Now, if you add all these up, here's the church, here's the steeple. Open the door, and they're not any people. <laughs> if we were to add all up, we would have no church. I mean, excuse me, we'd have no congregation. We'd have a church, but no congregation. If I were to do every one of these things, we would have eliminated the Sunday school, the Sunday school teachers, the children, the deacons, and the congregation. Now, would that be the end of it? No. Because I want you to know that it did not end there. There was also a suggestion that we eliminate the building. And there was a suggestion that we eliminate the minister. <laughs> A very sincere man came up to me a long time ago. He hasn't come to these services since then, so I think I can say this without ever getting back to him. And he talked to me at length about how there should not be a minister. If we were all teachers, people should just stand up and teach if they felt like it. So, now the reason I mention all that to you is so that you can see the insanity of the ego. It's not that one of these suggestions or several of them or maybe half of them could not be tried and we could see what effect it had did it help things did it make people happier did it make them feel more welcome and so forth it's just that if you take the ego seriously it will not stop with one suggestion so do not get caught up in someone else's misery and sorrow you can't bless them you can't help them if you do that Okay, now what I'd like to do is to end with the meditation. Now, I know, please feel free to make suggestions on this. <laughs> um, I would like to end with a little meditation here. And then, after the meditation, we will do our benediction, which is, uh, God be with you till we meet again. And so, we'll have the meditation, then we will stand. You have, you have no ego position on that now, remember? You have no ego position. How many times do you stand in a day? How many times do you stand without even thinking about it? You just stand. But suddenly, in a certain context, this takes on tremendous meaning to our ego. So I, I don't know why we stand. Why didn't we stand for the first hymn? You see all these questions, how absolutely silly all this is? You want to be a teacher of God. You want to be absolutely holy. You want to walk home. Do not get caught up in the insanity of this world. You are living in an insane asylum. Bring sanity to it. Have no ego positions. It does not matter what you do. It matters with the peace and the love with which you do it. So let's have this little meditation. Then we'll stand and do the benediction. So you close your eyes. This meditation comes from an image in A Course in Miracles. Certainly the meditation itself does not, but the image does. Think for a moment what is below you. What is below your feet? It's not your little sockies. It's 
not your lifts, your odor eaters. Think for a moment, what is below you? Below you is a sea of light. This is a fact more real than the pew, than the building, than the sound of a man's voice. There is an ocean of light below you. With your eyes closed, sense this magnificence. This splendor below you. Think for just a moment of how you get caught up on the surface, how your body feels, your body's anxious, your body's angry, your body's sick. Think of how you get caught up in the surface of your thoughts. You're thinking about this too much. You're thinking about that too much. You're struggling with this. You're struggling with that. All this surface, all these surface emotions and feelings and thoughts and this racing around and this chaos and this madness, it's only on the surface. Below you, is your home. And so now, slip below the surface. Immerse yourself totally in God. Drown in the love of your Father and breathe in peace. And may God be with you till we meet again.